Numbers chapter 21. Once you notice beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, And when the king Arab, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them. And their cities, and he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one which is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, as we begin this message this morning, I pray that you'll calm our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see not only our practice this week, but Lord, help us to see what we've done this year with the subject that we're talking about today. And so Lord, I pray that the Scriptures would speak to our hearts. I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict. And Lord, when we leave this place, it will be made more like Jesus. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about a disease that's a horrible disease. It's a disease that has existed since the beginning of mankind. Long before there were any diagnostic tests of doctors, and the truth is, long before there were doctors, men suffered from this disease. You say, what is that disease? It's very simply the disease of unthankfulness. I want you to see this morning that an unthankful heart can destroy a person. And I want you to see that an unthankful heart can take a Bible college student, rob that student of joy, and crush them. And cause them to go into life disillusioned, mad at the world, and just upset. And I believe with all of my heart that unthankfulness is a disease. I remember years ago I was talking to my wife and my wife, she's a gentle soul, but finally she got firm with me and she said, listen, you need to go to the dermatologist now. I said, listen, I don't need to go to the dermatologist. This spot that's on my face, it's just an age spot. We all get them. It was a brown spot that was beginning to grow. It had gotten to about the size of a 50 cent piece and finally my wife just laid down the law. And almost changed the locks on the house and said, you're not coming back in until this gets done. You say, did she really do that? No, but she was firm. 
And so I made up my mind. I decided to go. I went to a dermatologist over in Forest City and seemed to be a rather routine appointment. I went in and she looked and said, oh yeah, looks like you're just getting older. It wasn't raised or anything. It was just a brown growing spot. And so I went in and I had that biopsy done. And before I left, she said, I'll call you in a couple of weeks and we'll let you know how it turns out. And I'll never forget it. I was in Delaware. I was preaching in Delaware as I was driving down a four-lane road. I get a call from an 828 number and I answered it. And they said, hey, this is Dr. So-and-so's office. And we just wanted to tell you the results of your biopsy. And um, I'll admit what followed in the conversation really shook me. You know, the way the woman sounded at the beginning, you thought it was a predictable answer. You're okay and thanks for coming and we'll talk at you later. And the lady said, uh, Mr. Bill, I hate to tell you this, but she said, we did that biopsy and it came back and that's cancerous. And she said, not only is it cancerous, she said, it's malignant. And whenever she told me that, I felt like somebody had kicked me in the gut. And the rest of my day was a little bit in a daze. And she said, you need to go to see a specialist as soon as possible. And so I made the trip down to Spartanburg whenever I got back. And they looked at it and they said, it's a certain type of skin cancer. And yes, it is malignant. The good news about it is, is we think that it's only skin deep. We don't think that it's actually permeated down into the muscle or the fatty tissue. But they said, you're going to have to get this done. So I took a missions trip to Japan, and as soon as I was done, I went in for the surgery. I'll never forget it that day. I had two surgeries lined up, and I didn't really understand why. They said day one is going to be where they actually remove the cancer, and then they said day two is when they fix what they remove. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't really understand what was going on. I just trusted the doctor. So I showed up that morning and they did what was called a Mohs surgery where they go in and they take everything that they think is cancerous. And then once they take it, they test everything around the edge and then if they discover that they didn't take it all out, then they go by, you go back in and they take a bigger chunk. And so I went in, they took out what they thought and uh, sat out there and about an hour later they come back and they're like... And they took out more. I sat back out for an hour. And finally they came out and they said, Mr. Bill, we think you're all clear. And tomorrow at 6 o'clock in the morning is your plastic surgery. Well, I thought, okay. And so I happened to look at what they had done. And I thought, well, that's, that should be an easy fix. You just cut out a patch of skin somewhere else and put it right there and it's over with. That's not how it works. As a matter of fact, the plastic surgery was worse than the cancer surgery. You know, people look at me and they're like, what's wrong with your face? I know they think that even though they never ask me. And uh, basically they cut me from here to here and here to here and just took the skin and pulled it and sewed it back together. Uh, Now I have a sideburn that grows like this. It doesn't actually meet my hairline. It actually grows this way. And so maybe there's another surgery to fix that. But, you know, I've probably had my share of bumps and bruises. I've had my shares and, uh, of different things that have happened. But you know what the truth is? Had I blown off my wife and had I told that specialist, go jump in a lake, I very well could be dead today because of that cancer and the proximity to the brain. 
was a very sobering time in my life. But you know what I believe this morning? I believe that there are some of you, listen, if you, do, if you fail to let the Holy Spirit identify unthankfulness in your heart, listen to me, it'll ruin you for a lifetime. You know, we get all happy and we get all uh, glaze-eyed when it comes to Thanksgiving and we talk about how we ought to count our blessings. Can I tell you something? That ought to be a daily endeavor. And I want to talk to you this morning about the sin, the disease of unthankfulness. Now, by way of introduction, let me say the sin of unthankfulness will manifest itself in two ways. All right, the most obvious way that it manifests itself is by complaining. When you just murmur or complain, Dr. Childs, who taught me in Bible college, Brother Childs, he often would say, murmur is the language of the wilderness. And when you complain and when you murmur and you always tear down, it's a dead sign that you are an unthankful person. And there may be some of you and you say, well, I'm just naturally that way. Well, you better stop it. Some people, maybe they're naturally angry or they're naturally this or they're naturally that. I don't care what your propensity, your sin nature has. If unthankfulness rules you, one day it'll ruin you. And I want to show you this morning a people that God loved, yet God judged them because of unthankfulness. But not only are people sometimes unthankful and it's seen by griping and complaining, but unthankfulness can be seen just by a lack of thankfulness. This last week I sent Brother Bunn a text. I know sometimes he gets hammered and hacked a lot in the finance office because he has to collect school bills and sometimes people don't want to pay. But whenever I get a blessing, I like to try to send it to him. There was a man who gives scholarship money on a regular basis. You know what that man texted me? He said, I want to thank you for sending me the anonymous notes where the students express their gratitude for the scholarship money that they receive. Now this is a kind of man he doesn't give in order to be seen. He doesn't want his name attached to it. But when the business office encourages you to say thank you, I'm going to tell you something. It's not only good for you, but it's good for the people that give. And the There are some of you, you received scholarship money and you've never said thank you and you've wondered why you've never gotten it again. Because we want to try to teach you thankfulness. Sometimes unthankfulness is shown in griping and murmuring. Sometimes unthankfulness is just shown in keeping your mouth shut and not ever saying thank you. An unthankful person, that's manifested in one of those two ways. But now let me take you to the story this morning and I want to show you three very simple things. When you consider this disease of unthankfulness, and I want you not to think about this week. I know we're thinking about Praise Chapel and we had testimonies today. I want you to think about the last month. Have you been a griper or a complainer? It's really easy to thank God when you see pumpkins and pilgrims. Thank you, Josiah. But you understand if you've gone through a semester in your life and you have failed to have a heart of thankfulness, listen, that's really what represents your life right there. It's not one week of the year. And I want you to see what God did to the nation of Israel. The first thing I want you to see, number one, is a people discouraged. 
What has happened to Israel? In verse 1, they go into a battle, they're defeated, and some and some of the people uh, are taken prisoner. Imagine, they're taken away from their homes, they're taken away from their children, they're taken away from their moms and dads. And they're totally displaced and the people are like, listen, we want to get them back. And so they come to God and Israel says, you give them to our hand and we promise you, God, we'll destroy every last one of them. And that's exactly what happened. They came back in vengeance, destroyed the enemy. But then in verse number 4, it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. Here it is, and the soul of the people was much discouraged. Here's the thing that I want to tell you. Discouragement is the door through which unthankfulness enters. Discouragement is the door through which unthankfulness enters. (laughs) You know, Bible college has a way of discouraging people. Did you know that? I'm just saying what you think. You go through the rigors of life, financial pressure, projects, discouragement settles in. But here, these people, the Bible says that they were, they, they were discouraged. Their souls were discouraged. Have you ever been so cold where you said, man, I was just bone cold? Right now is deer season. And guys sitting up in a deer stand. You know, it's really wimpy now. It used to be you went out there and you froze to death. Now you got these hot pockets, heated gloves. Man, you probably can set a fire in your hat and just let it, let it go the way they have it now. But I'm going to tell you, you ever been bone cold? Where I mean, you were just so cold, man, you could just hardly... Listen, it's one thing when you're bone cold. It's another thing when you're discouraged to the bone. And there are some of you, when you have discouragement, you have a flea mentality when that discouragement comes. There are some of you, when that discouragement comes, you may not flee, but you crawl and you hide in a shell. And it's during that time when discouragement comes that you'll be the most prone to let unthankfulness enter your heart and just not praise the Lord. Again, there's some of you, you're thinking about pumpkin pie and you're like, praise the Lord, this is the break. But you've gone through a semester complaining and griping and discouraged. And something is missing. It's called praise. And I wonder if there's some of you, you say, you know, I've been discouraged. I've had some things come my way and they have pressed me down. I'm not here to tell you that you don't have reason to be discouraged. I realize those things may be pressing on you, but if you let unthankfulness grab you by the neck and choke the life out of you, you'll not make it. Number one, a people discouraged. Number two, I want you to see a people deprived. In verse number 4, the people complained. The Bible says, "...they spake unto God and they spake unto Moses." Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and somebody else was listening in and you didn't want them to listen in? You thought you were talking to one people, but you were actually talking to two, one person, but you're actually talking to two?
the Israelites, the Bible says they spake against God and Moses. Now, what did they say? They said, we have no bread. We have no water and our soul loatheth this light bread. So why do you say it that way? Because that's how I think they said it. When y'all complain, do you complain in monotone? The sandwich bar is closed. I'm sorry, that, that got too personal, didn't it? The teacher changed the test date. Yeah. No, they said, we have no bread and we have no water. You know what they were good? They were good at talking about what they didn't have. They were a people deprived. Here's the lesson that you're going to learn. The devil wants you to long for what you don't have. And he wants you to despise the things that you do have. The devil wants you to long for what you don't have and he wants you to despise what you don't have. It's illustrated right here. We have no bread, we have no water, and this light bread, we hate it. That word low, that's a strong word. Listen, I dislike broccoli, but I hate Brussels sprouts. Now you can be an apologist for Brussels sprouts. It's all in how you cook them. I guess the same is true for cardboard too. But I do. I mean, it's just, I I hate that. But you know what? These people, they said, we hate this light bread. Look at me. You know what they were talking about? You're like, yeah, you go to Walmart. There's a loaf. No, that's not what they're talking about. That's not the light bread they're talking about. They're talking about manna. Let me ask you a few questions. Who cooked it? It wasn't Paula Dean. It wasn't your mama, as good as it may be. It was God. You want to complain about God's cooking? Do you know how they got it? They didn't have to get it through a drive-thru. You ever been through a drive-thru with a bunch of your friends and You make that order and you make the mistake of not checking the bag until you're out on the highway? Yeah. Full-on brawl in the car. You were two double cheeseburgers short. Somebody's going to starve. They didn't have to go through a drive-thru. Hey, ladies, listen, one day when you get married... And you're cooking a meal for the family. And, you know, imagine this. Your husband wakes up in the morning and says, Honey, what's for breakfast? You say, Just go out there. Get all you want. It's a buffet today. Now, honey, get enough for breakfast and lunch and supper. It's all you can eat. But whatever you have left over, unless it's Sabbaths are coming, uh, you, better, you better get rid of it because you just you, you eat it and we save up for two days. We know the Sabbath's coming. Boy, if there's ever food that you complained about, first of all, God cooked it. God delivered it to your doorstep and you got all you could eat. And you still complain. 
You know what? If they could complain to a perfect diet, I'll rest you assured this room's full of people who can complain about something that's imperfect. You know, every day, Brother Piero will say, what do you think of that? You know, some days I'm like, it's okay. And, of course, he has a standard up here. He wants everything to, you know, he wants it to please everybody all the time. And you got this many pallets, it's just, you know, uh, pasta is not my favorite. And he might look at me and he say, well, you know, it's just only good. And I'll be like, well, I mean, even my wife doesn't hit a home run every time. I mean, you know, I mean, but it's, it's okay. It's, it's fine. It's, it's good. But you know what? There may be some of you, it can never be good enough. Listen, if you're a young lady in here and you hear a guy and all he does is complain about the food at this school, listen, I know it may not be mom's, but I'm going to tell you what, it's not like eating at the soup kitchen. And I'll tell you what, if he complains about this school's food all the time, you mark it down. You're probably signing up for a lifetime of hearing it yourself. Complaining. I know things aren't perfect. But we complain and we murmur and that's all that we focus on. There was a people in the Bible that did it and God judged them for it. They said, we have no bread and we have no water. You know, some of you here, it may be that unthankfulness is in your heart right now because all you've been able to focus on is what you don't have. Do you know when I was a kid, do you know what I longed for? I longed for my life to be normal. What I thought should be normal. I had a disabled mom who was born with cerebral palsy, a dad who was disabled by the time I was 12 with emphysema. We lived off of Social Security in a mobile home. I didn't eat three square meals a day. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. And the list can go on and on. And there's some of you here, and you know what you've done? You've just played to the devil. Your life's not normal, or your life's not like anybody else's. Listen to me. You stop listening to the devil, and you start counting your blessings. I may have been raised in a drunkard's home, but I had a mom and a dad. And I refuse to let the devil take everything in my life that I supposedly don't have and draw it up against me and blind me from the things that God has given me. That's for which unthankfulness comes. You focus on what you don't have instead of thanking God for what you have. I had a pastor friend of mine. I was dealing with a matter of contentment in my heart years ago. And he looked at me and he said, Alton, he said, contentment isn't having all you want. It's wanting all you have. And I know we're going to get up on Wednesday and we're going to give testimonies. But listen to me. If you've lived a life griping about your parents, griping about the college, you've lived your life griping about authority... You've lived your life griping at restaurants to, nur- to uh, waitresses that are probably underpaid. And that's all you do is you gripe and you gripe and you gripe and you gripe. Listen to me, that's a language that ought to be foreign to God's children. Number one, a people discouraged. Number two, a people deprived. Number three, a people dying. Verse number 6, the Bible says, And the Lord sent fiery serpents 
It's a very picturesque way. It wasn't serpents with flames shooting off of them. It was poisonous snakes, venomous snakes, copperheads, water moccasins, rattlesnakes. You say, were those the actual? I don't know, but those are poisonous snakes. Now, to be honest, I don't like any snake. I say, well, that's a black snake. I'm like, that's a snake. Now, my dad did teach me, don't kill king snakes because king snakes eat rats. Don't kill king snakes because they kill copperheads. And I tried to abide by that, but it was everything I could do to not do it, to just keep from killing them. These fiery serpents go in the congregation of Israel and they begin to bite people and they die. Now listen, you know we rank sin, don't we? Adultery, that's wicked and it is. So wicked, Jesus said, if a man looks upon a woman to commit uh, and, and looks upon a woman to lust after, he's committed adultery already in his own heart. But you know, for some reason, we give unthankfulness a pass. Well, I'm just here to tell you, God didn't. The judgment of God came upon this nation not for worshiping Molech but for simply not having gratitude. I really admire Moses. In this situation, many of the people start dying because they've been bitten. And then in verse number 7, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray thee unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And notice the end of that phrase and the verse. And Moses prayed for the people. I marvel at Moses. Had some of you been Moses, you know what you'd have done? You'd have stopped and said, well... You asked for it. Yeah. Yes, nice time to be thinking about it now, huh? Yeah. Won't you just waller in that a little bit? You know, Moses, instead of saying, I told you so, you know what he did? He prayed for the people. That's a good man. And I'll tell you what, when somebody comes to me and maybe they've been broken because of the decisions that they made and I said, I wouldn't go that way. Hey, when they come back to me, it's not a matter of vindicating my character, or vindicating my judgment. It's a matter of, all right, let's get you back on your feet. But the prescription was quite interesting because these people are swelling up and they're dying, and Moses prays for the people, and the Lord tells Moses, He doesn't tell them, give them antivenom, doesn't tell them, take them to the hospital. He said, make a serpent, put it on a pole, and every person that looks to it will live. Now, I want to talk to you for just a moment about the agonizing of Israel. Listen, these people have been bitten by serpents. They're dying. When a poisonous snake bites a person, a fever begins to rise. Swelling begins to take place. And these people are dying a miserable death because they've complained and murmured. I'm not saying that God is going to send a bunch of snakes in here to bite us. But I will tell you, you'll be miserable as long as you let that unthankfulness reign in your heart. You'll be miserable, and guess what? You'll make other people around you miserable. You know, isn't it, it's amazing how people gravitate together. I mean, I've, man, 
I've been in this for a long time. And, you know, it's like people who didn't know each other and all of a sudden... And sometimes the complainers just have a habit. They just get together. And they can tell you everything about what's wrong with everybody else, but you'll never hear them talk about what's wrong with them. You know what humility is? Humility is being willing to talk about yourself and what's wrong with yourself and before God fix it. And some of you have gravitated together. And you know what? If you're not careful, not only are you going to complain together, but if you're not careful, you're going to die together. Maybe not physically, but boy, inside a part of you is going to die and you're going to live being miserable. But as we finish this sermon today, I want you to see not only a people discouraged and a people deprived and a people dying, but my conclusion is really my fourth point. I want you to see a people delivered. How do you get over unthankfulness? There's no way you can be delivered from thankfulness until you're willing to say these words. We or I have sinned, period. Full stop. You ever seen that on social media? Somebody make an emphatic statement and they put periods after every word. And they say full stop or mic drop. You know, all this new stuff, you know, I just, I'm like, wow, okay, this is a foreign language, but I'm learning it. Listen, you can't get over unthankfulness unless you say, It is sin. I have sinned. Can't get over it. Do you know what? If Israel had never uttered those words, a serpent would have never gone up on a pole. But you know what I love, young people? I'm going to tell you what I love. I love that when I come to God and I say, God, I have sinned, then there's help on the way. Everyone that's dying, how do you get over it? You simply look at the snake on the pole and you live. Could you imagine somebody, they're swollen, they're dying, they're feverish, and a child lifts up their head and says, Dad, if you'll just look, look. If you'll look at that serpent on the pole, you'll live. And, she t- and that child takes the head of that father and tilts it. And when he sees that serpent, the fever disappears. The swelling begins to dissipate. And the man can breathe normally again. And just like those people were healed from unthankfulness, you know what? I want to tell you, young people, you can be healed from unthankfulness too. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. You know, the most well-known chapter in the Bible is probably John chapter 3. And the most well-known verse is probably verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But did you know before that, Jesus had something else to say. He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know how you get rid of unthankfulness? You not only say, I've sinned. 
but you just take a good hard look at the cross. And when you look at that cross and you see what Jesus was deprived of and you look at your life and see what you're deprived of, you're going to notice a stark difference. It's one thing to go into a praise chapel saying, it's time to praise the Lord, but it's another thing to live 51 weeks out of the year unthankful. I want you to think back to the last month of your life. Has it been filled with thankfulness every day? The psalmist said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Are you getting ready for a one-week revival and after you eat your pumpkin pie and you talk about pilgrims and then you go right on thanking the Lord in a testimony service, are you going to live another 51 weeks of the year just like Israel? If that's you, if I were you, I'd watch out for fiery serpents because unthankfulness will destroy you.